You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Land and Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keat. And Matt Dye. And we have another Habitat-focused podcast right here on Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. This week's podcast brought to you by Deer Lab, the software program for categorizing and studying your trail camera inch inches. Woo, I stumbled a little bit there. What else you got to say about Deer Lab, Matt? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more in, in detail about Deer Lab, but if you've never used it, um, it is an incredible software, again, that allows you to not only look at specific images, but analyze why a deer is there at a certain time frame. Um, and that's why we we study trail camera images. Like, we need to take it that extra step further, and that's what this software allows you to do. So um, there's a lot of great things in the software it allows you to learn about individual patterns of deer when you look at it or use it the first time you're like oh it's going to categorize but there's so much more to it oh yeah i think of all the times whenever i would do all the try to do the back research where it's like okay i've entered them all in okay now let's look at why okay here's this buck moving during daylight let me go back and pull the weather for that specific location and you've got 15 tabs opened up to figure out why he was there but now you have a software program that allows you to put in an image and then mark him, tag that deer in there, and then figure out in one place why he was there at that time. Because yes. it looks at you know the weather, the wind, the moon, blah, 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 all these different factors. Um, and then you can just sort through. So I can oh, say, yeah. okay, I want to know what pictures I got of this buck that moved from September 1 to January 1 only during daylight. Mm-hmm. And then I can say, okay, here's... And hopefully you have a lot of options. Hopefully, but <laughs> if you're like us, you've got three pictures and... <laughs> yeah. Or let's say you have 20 and then you can say, okay, wow, let's look at the wind direction. What was what was interesting about that day? Oh, wow. Or he, he's seen 90% move of the a pictures, lot more in the morning. 90% of the pictures are in the mornings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
half of these are in this location, and it's only on a southeast wind. And then if you find those another day like that, you can slip in there and hopefully take advantage of it. So, Deer Lab, check it out. You know, this podcast is is one I'm going to say hopefully for the ages. <laughs> There's been so much hype and so much social media presence about this surrounding this broad topic of of CWD that has come out just real recently. Um and we are here to not necessarily talk about CWD um in a Good, bad. De- de- yeah, debating no. this. No, it is simply, hey, guess what? The science is is there. Um, this is being presented um, from very smart people, and you should heed the warnings. But we're looking at it from, okay, now that it now that it's here, now the the science is is in front of us. What do we do? What do how do how do we manage deer around this? Um, and what is going to change? So it's a hot topic. I think uh, one thing I would like to say about CWD is the fact of there is a lot of rumors, there's a lot of gossip, and there's a lot of facts about it. It's kind of like being back in high school. (laughs) You know what she did? You heard that? The telephone game (laughs) goes all the way around, and by the end of it, somebody's already solved it. Um, Or it's a government conspiracy. But when it comes to this, (laughs) when it comes to CWD, look... For the scientists that study this as your resources and not the opinion of somebody who shoots a deer every year. <laughs> yeah. So be sure to follow people like the QDMA and uh, and really know that that's where we need to be getting our information and yep. not just the opinion of somebody else. So that's where we get a lot of our information, and that's where we follow. And just because there's a lot of updated research and and uh, a lot of great information out there. And so you can learn more about CWD from the experts, well, not from your Facebook biologists. Learn, yeah, right. Learn facts. Learn factual information. Um, consider your resource. And, and just be practical about it. I, I mean, just... Just be com- use common sense when when reading and discerning, you know, maybe other people's opinions or or whatnot. Um, but the truth of the matter is, like, whether we want to face it or not, we're we're facing it, um, and we need to do so with with truth and and understanding. So, and like for example, if my car is broke down, I go to a mechanic. If mm-hmm. if there's something about a deer, I go to a deer biologist, somebody who's researched him. If there's if I'm trying to learn how to play baseball, I go to a baseball coach. Well, or if I'm learning about a disease, you go to a pathologist who's studying those that specific disease, disease. And, and the way it's transmitted and, and mm-hmm. the life the cycle of that. Um, not a guy who sits in a tree stand and hunts. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, just saying. <laughs> not, <laughs> no. Not, not, no names. <laughs> no, just saying, right? Just throwing it yeah, out there. I, I don't. I would not go to a. Uh... <laughs> Let's just end. No, yeah. All right. Moving on. Moving on. So, um, before we move to the big topic, want to send out that extra reminder about the QDMA opportunity that we have for the podcast listeners. That's you um, for starting. June 26th for the next next nine weeks, we're covering those online modules. Um, like we discussed last week, you're seeing updates probably on Facebook and Instagram about this opportunity. So 
for the next nine podcasts, we're going to be talking about this 10 to 20 minutes of each podcast. Adam and I are going through that those modules with you guys the same week and then discussing what we find, what we see, and sharing our experience with you on that topic. Um, so we wanted something this summer to kind of change up the game a little bit, um, get out of the, the kind of normal routine and Everyone's wondering what they can do, how they can grow as a hunter, as a land manager. These modules are the perfect, um, the perfect way to educate, yeah, yes. educate yourself about very specific and important things regarding deer biology, um, deer hunting management. Like I, I looked and, and I, I did a little sneak peek on on the first topic we're going to cover, which is aging deer, and that's, I mean. How wait, wait another week, and and you're gonna see your your social media just blow up of how old is this deer when people start putting their cameras out. So like, it's very important to learn right now. And you might be able to comment um, on those posts, share share your education with people. But that's the first topic we're covering. And I did a little sneak peek, and and they're not talking about like aging deer in the hoof, but analyzing jaw bones and walk you through that step by step. Um, so you're gonna want to get that information and use it and apply it share it with other people for sure um so when you do that to follow along use the code that they've provided um and it's www.qdma.com forward slash land and legacy and that'll give you 20 percent off those the registration costs for those eight modules um and sign or three letter word huh for land and legacy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Yes, it's L-A-N-D-A-N-D-L-E-G-A-C-Y. Land and legacy. Uh, make sure you spell that out. So, But take advantage of that code. Um, get you 20% off. And I'm excited about it. I know you are too. It's, it's going to be a fun opportunity. It'll be fun. It's interactive. That's what we wanted exactly. out of it. We wanted to motivate people to join us in this. And, and hopefully as we, uh, basically as our our friendship with QDMA continues. We'll find other ways to be interactive, maybe with Deer Stewart 1 and 2, and, and who knows what the future holds with that. And, and I, I hope one day that we can host an event at our at our farm. Um, so oh. definitely, this is, this definitely is a goal of ours. First step. First but, step, yep. You know, this this type of interaction we're trying to build with you guys um, who, who listen so loyally every week, you know, this is going to be fun. And Adam and I have talked about and, and plan to – establish a almost a forum a, a portion of a facebook page um through land and legacy to communicate with you guys throughout the weekend and what you guys are finding ask questions um that's going to be again uh, that other source of interaction that we let's want do to it. let's, let's do go it. ahead and do it when this one releases <laughs> okay i'm fine with that. you already did it you already told them so we gotta do it now <laughs> um but so so when you sign up let us know and we'll we'll all get kind of working on it together um share your thoughts share your insight and and what you guys have learned or, or any questions you got yeah it's a great opportunity Be all sure right to take advantage cwd of it. back to the important stuff woo here we go so um this is kind of a uh, a podcast that is it's all in the works as far as there's a lot of things and and the whole reason for this podcast is just this week Missouri Department of Conservation expanded their CWD counties to where there is 7 or 8 or 10 more counties in the CWD zones that have now made it illegal to use mineral and feeding supplements so there's no more minerals in a bag or a block or a rock there's no more feed dumped out on the ground all in these counties 
and I don't know, let's say it's half. I don't I don't know what the exact number is, but half the counties in Missouri are all well, like this. I want to say 45, 42 or 48, something like that. Uh, well, states. I don't even know how many total counties there are off the top of my head. So there's a lot of counties in this state that now are illegal to have mineral or feed out year-round. And this is all a way to stop the, the spread or slow the spread of CWD in the state of Missouri. With that being said... I can I can hear the roar from here. There's there just going, been that uproar. What? <laughs> How do I get pictures? And with that being said, Matt and I hunt in two counties, mainly in Missouri, where it is still legal to have those minerals and feeding supplements out. But because of the the quick change, we forecast or predict that it in the coming years that it will be illegal statewide. So we are going ahead and removing the minerals and the, and we have, don't have any feed out um, at all right now and haven't in months after in months and months, but we are removing all that and we're going to go ahead and get on the game of no supplements and mineral on our farms. So, with that in, being- in in conjunction with the release of the information from MDC adding these counties, today a publication has come out from Penn State. And if you don't follow along with their um, it's called Deer Force Study, they have produced a blog. I think it comes out maybe twice a week, once or twice a week. Um, but a lot of information that they're doing um, with all the research that they've got going on as a co-op. So these are the scientists we're talking about that you want to get your information from. Um, But this study looked at CWD, um, how it's transmitted, but specifically at mineral locations. Um, And they got their information from Wisconsin and their DNR um, had teamed up with their University of Wisconsin and then other researchers. And specifically, they looked and tested 11 different mineral licks, 10 of which that were man-made. So likely hunters had gone out and put out mineral licks, um, like I said, in whatever form it was, a block, a granular, whatever. um, And they tested not only the soil, but they tested the water and then water samples when the mud from the bottom was all stirred up. They took all these samples and what the results say, nine of the 11 come back CWD positive. With the prion. With the prion active there. And we're not discussing any of the bio, the specifics of CWD. We're just saying CWD positive or negative. And nine out of 11 were positive to have the CWD prion in that area. Correct. Right there at the mineral lick. Yes. And uh, that's just... Now we're do, done with the do podcast. We need to just pause. <laughs> I think take a moment of silence or something <laughs> to really comprehend that yeah. when they did this test, nine out of the eleven tested positive for CWD. So obviously, with the MDC moving forward, other states are moving forward with banning these type of sites, these locations. It's most likely again a, a forecast um, of what is to come in the future for other hunters in other states or other portions of states um, that these sites will be banned at maybe a more regular pace. Uh, this is very, I mean, nine out of 11, you do the math. That's a, that's a not good percentage for, for um, 
you know, active sites that have CWD. One thing to say, too, those were out of CWD positive areas. Yes. It wasn't like they just randomly went across Wisconsin and found mineral sites. These were in CWD regions, counties, areas, and that's, they tested positive. So, and and maybe, excuse me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's just, they've just now started figuring out how to test soil and water to find out if it had the prion in it. I think that's something new that has happened in this past year. Uh, In fact, probably the past six months um, that they figured out how to make that test to see. Because up until that, there was no way that they were having trouble to find the prion without actually pulling a brain from a deer or a spinal cord or whatever. Um, So, yeah. Basically, these type of tests is new, and what they're another note that they even make is that the the prions are binding tightly to clay soils, um, so it can probably suspend differently in, in soils. But they know and, and are seeing that um, from tests, the clay soils is where the prion, the prion, excuse me, is binding very tight. Yeah. Um, so if if what you've about got pawing pawing <laughs> action, you're removing that that rocks from a hole like you get down to clay very easily in, in many locations anyhow you probably thought crazy as as adam said oh we're removing them um until we shared that information um but in all reality uh, when we look at again the science behind a mineral site and the advantages or disadvantages or honestly no value at all that mineral sites give to deer <laughs> We're not losing anything. Here, here's, here's one of the biggest misconceptions. It talks about that in that blog. It too, gives another great that, article that minerals cause deer to have bigger antlers. That's the misconception. There has been no research ever documenting that the use of minerals increase antler or weight, antler size or weight in white-tailed deer. None. Mic drop again. Let's pause, <laughs> yeah. Do we need to pause for that one too? Yeah. Let that one sink in. So yes. again, like if if we're making the claim, hey, you know what? We're trying to get get ahead of the curve. You know, we're not missing out on anything in, in, in a measurable sense of, hey, my deer are going to be lacking. They're going to be you know deficient. No, they're actually not because they're it's it's proven. I'm not going to lose any body weight. I'm not going to lose any inches of antlers that I would have had if I had now removed this mineral. Um, the reason for the mineral is because any of these supplements that were that were um, can buy at a Walmart or, or a Bass Pro or wherever you get it. Feed store. Yeah. Heavy, heavy salt content. And no doubt deer, especially during the summer months, um, flock to salt. And I think in this one, this article, it talks about um, the reason that does need um, a lot of the salt is for lactation um, in their diet. Like they, it they says need something that. like, and bucks don't lactate. Yeah, and bucks don't lactate. So like it's, it's not necessary for you to increase the herd health. Like that, that's not an argument for mineral. Uh, and again, this is scientific information. So this article that we're talking about right here from Penn State, we'll put it in the, um, the show notes. So you can read it. There's not really, I guess, room for own interpretations because it's science, but allow you guys to have the same information that we're sharing right here. Um, have it at, at your disposal to sink in, to read, to analyze, whatever you want to do with it. We're going to share that with you. Um, but again, we're not losing anything. We're not 
we're not missing out on anything. Um, the only the only thing that I guess is, makes it a little more difficult is categorize not categorizing but documenting deer during the summer to prepare you for fall. Yes, that's it. That's and, what and, we and and that's really what we used correct. mineral for. That, that, we, this this information, I guess, hasn't been new to us. It's just, hey, they they come to a salt block. Like we know that we get pictures of them. That's like, it. That's been the only reason for that on properties that we hunt, manage, and that's you ask clients the same thing. We're gonna tell them, you know, this is proven. Um, we just kind of leave it up to their disposal, but yeah. um, the science is there. Yes, the science is there that deer don't become grow bigger antlers because they have excess of mineral. Um, the science is there that you don't get healthier deer because they have access to salt. Um, but the the easy thing about it is you put it out, deer come to it, it's easy place for pictures. That's our biggest setback. As, as a hunter, I mean, that's a tool. It's not, it's not like a... Um... I, I guess obviously everyone knows us as habitat managers, like the source of nutrients, the source of uh, whatever you're looking to increase antler size and body mass comes from habitat. Like that's what we preach. And so this again is just simply a tool that is used to get deer in front of a camera. It's easier. Yeah. It's not used as a habitat. No, pro- exactly. It's, it's not used as a habitat improvement technique. It's no. used as a hunting strategy not specifically during season, Correct. but to get pictures to prepare of you for deer season. before season so we know who's in the area. Yeah. That's what it's used for. And so let's just kind of, as we start this, let's start out by saying um, that kind of one of the biggest principles with our management and our ideas of management and laying out land and improving land is replicating nature. It's always been that. It's always gonna be that we're going to do our best to replicate nature in its native state and so when you think about it sure there are natural mineral licks there's natural sites in regions yeah to where deer or other animals will go to seek out salt but they're not nearly as prevalent as a hunting property that has one out every 40 acres yeah and so Basically, for us, when you think about the landscape, how many times have you heard us talk about this? We don't know yet. We've already lost track counting. How many times do you hear us say, click back the times, the time frame and go, before we got here and before there was trail cameras and all that stuff, before America was go settled. Go back to, where, to when God designed it and that's the way it was. And deer and buffalo and elk had everything they needed naturally across their landscape and they were way more productive than they were now this kind of in my head i'm thinking okay this this is not about minerals or cwd but it is an example when we look at the native landscape in let's say kansas and its prairies how often did they burn frequently how many eastern red cedars did they see in that landscape not very frequent because they burned up but yet people are planting cedars in fields to add more cover because they need thermal cover. Look at the winters or go back to even ni- early 1900s, 1800s. Winters were much more severe than we have now, 
But yet deer still survived. How did they do it? It wasn't because there was eastern red cedar, but they did it with diversity in other plants. So this is just a... That's me going on my eastern red cedar tangent. <laughs> I was, I, I'm sitting here seeing this rabbit in my mind. Like I'm like, okay, we're we're hitting these points. We're nailing them. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, go, go, guys. And then there's Adam. Like there's this rabbit, and it just runs off to the right. I'm like, okay, it's running, but it's got to make a turn back to that like center point. It's Whatever. not turning. It's I'm not coming back I, yet. <laughs> there's two. There's two guarantees in our podcast, and I will go on rabbit trails. But when Matt will go on a rabbit trail, he goes on a long rat, rabbit trail. At least mine are short. I was, I was beginning to think you were getting long-winded on that one. <laughs> so anyway, that's Bring just one of, a, one of our examples of managing the native landscape and understanding that. And this is a great example of mineral sites and how they weren't, they're not that common. Especially, I mean, Matt, think of a mineral site, a naturally occurring mineral site on my farm. None. I can't think of any. And so we we want to replicate nature, and this is one step for us to do it and try to, although it's not been detected in our in our region of Missouri, we're going ahead and doing the precautionary steps to hopefully prevent the spread of it if it is there and it's undetected. Yeah, and I think one of the um, one of the things that might come up is someone may say, okay, I, you know, I understand that like um, these mineral blocks don't, add or, or they, they're not proven to um, produce bigger antlers or bigger body size. But like, how else do deer get their minerals? Well, that's that's just by plants. They eat plants, but the plants have roots that are in the, the dirt and the soil, and they take in those minerals and they transfer them through the forage. So it's not like deer won't get these hmm. minerals. They still get them, and they natu- this is, that's the natural process in which they, they get them. So... Again, we're not removing anything that's necessary um, for deer or, or any other mammals to survive. It's it's simply, again, just that tool to get more pictures um, in one specific location. And that's the other thing I, I, I think I got for later on. But you can put out a block in a very unintrusive area and, and pull deer and, and not have to go into maybe a more sensitive area um, throughout the summertime and, and get very accurate information of the deer that are on your property you know like okay maybe i give that up a little bit i'm I'm okay with that um because again getting hopefully ahead of the direction things are heading mm-hmm. um and and again this yes we are we're in missouri there's counties very close by who um cannot bait who cannot feed but even if you're not still listen up because this can easily affect you if if there's a portion of your state that has it like that and, and and the snap of a finger legislation can change and your whole your whole state now is is not uh you know baiting mineral friendly yeah and i think of think of a mineral block that's been established for several years you mean a little mini swimming pool yeah, that cesspool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean a little hot tub. Yeah, just stewing with with um, bacteria, and they're, they're not. I mean, ha- or or you see one of those feed stations where people have dumped um, protein pellets or corn all winter long, and you get there in the spring, and it's just a nasty mud pit, and you can smell it. It's, a, fe- it's a feed lot. It, it, it is. And there ain't no way to you have look your, at, your cattle. There ain't no way to have your deers. And whenever you can find animals, that's usually when bad things happen. And uh, 
so it's just one of those things that knowing how CWD is, trying to prevent that. That's what we're all about. So we're removing the mineral sites. Now is how do we get pictures of deer and establish a hit list and know who's in the area, know the health of the deer herd based on our trail cameras when we don't have the ability to have minerals out or feed out. This is the meat of the podcast. This is the point where now we're like, all right. Took us 26 minutes to get here. <laughs> this is this is what we want to share. We want to share that practical information to allow you to not miss a beat um, as you're going still managing your property. Yes, and I, I think of uh, this is, even if you're in an area... And even if you're hard-headed and you say, this isn't all true, well, if you're there, you probably already turned this podcast off. But if not, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're still glad to have you. Um, we, If you are in an area that you can use feed, you can use all that, these tips and these areas are still, could be, I guess they could still be useful for you to find a hitless buck during hunting season or year-round. No, no doubt. Because these are the areas or areas that you can add to not only create great bottlenecks to hunt over, but also to have your cameras out so you can monitor what deer go through there. And I will say there is additional research that has already been done on the efficiency of non-baited trail camera surveys. Um, That information, that that publication, I don't think has been released yet, um, but it it, it is... the studies, the actual in the field um, stuff has been done, and that pretty positive that it's going to be presented on at QDMA convention this year. It is, and Dr. Carl Miller, right? That's it. Um, so this this is coming, <laughs> whether you're ready or not, or uh, or getting there in your mind. Um, be seeking out information that's going to again allow you to not to not miss a beat. Um, Keep up to date with what's going on your property, even though things, regulations may be changing around you. All right. Ready? Yep. I think they're ready. They waited long enough. I think the important thing is be practical. A mineral block, I think, has honestly, because of the easiness of it, has taken away most hunters' woodsmanship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, again, it's been easy to throw one out in a place that you can kind of drive up to, pull a car, and get back out. Like, they all go there. Like, mm-hmm. that that that's not <laughs> – you're not managing a herd by having that out there, but you're also not really helping yourself as a hunter. Like, you're not analyzing the habitat. You're not looking at deer sign. You're not understanding how deer are moving through an area. You're not understanding where they're feeding at, what they're feeding on, where where they're betting at typically at this time of year like we've for many people have lost that that's a skill that's such a valuable skill and it's gone i'm not blaming it on minerals but i'm just saying like let's be practical and and what what we're trying to do here but be practical in the sense of understanding deer Mm -hmm. and and what they're needing right now and where they're getting that so you got to understand your property there was a rabbit trail that I fought, but I got to go down it. And Uh-oh. the same thing can be said about feeders and, and baiting. Um, I think the same thing is true. And there's a huge debate that we're probably going to catch flack over on that statement. I, at least I am because I'm the one doing the talking. But feeding and, and baiting has done the same thing to woodsmanship. Oh, and yeah. Taken oh, yeah. it away. It's much easier. And, and the, I would even, 
I would even have a guy, if a guy started telling me about food plots doing the same thing, I might, I would probably even listen and say, you know, there's, there's some truth to that, but there's more to a food plot than just, for us, there's more to a food plot than just um, the ability to hunt over it. There's oh, a lot sure. of things involved sure. where, and, and that's why we plant diversity too, because we're trying to, <laughs> we have so few acres we're trying to improve it from a multitude of species. That's why there's pollinators um, that really like our food plot varieties because there there's so much, many more benefits. So it's not just about that. But some instances, yes, a food plot would be similar to a feeder as far as it only purpose is to have a hunting destination, and that's where the woodsmanship comes into it. Yeah, and, and again, that or is removed from it. I should <laughs> right. Say. Uh, so. If you're if if you're if you're sitting here scratching your head, okay, I'm I'm lost without them. Um, the notepad out because we're gonna we're gonna help you get through this. And and <laughs> I just had this horrible <laughs> analogy in my head. Um, you know you know the joke when you're like in college or whatever, and and they're like, I pulled your man card. And you're like, so. Mineral Blocks pulled my woodsmanship card. We're getting your woodsmanship cards back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that was not offensive. That was not trying to be offensive, but it just popped in my head. I was like, you know what? I, I got to share that. Yeah. Um. So summertime, you're trying to document deer. It's pretty easy. Natural water sources. Yeah. Like and, natural and, ones. And as we talked about this, this wasn't a little bitty tiny swimming pool that you put somewhere and fill it up with water. Yep. Because... When you look at the size, it's not much different than a mineral lick. So and, and, we're not and talking it's, about it's that. a constant. Um, it's not like a, a resurging flow of, of water, like a spring that's got like a small opening. Like that's new fresh water. Um, that's just a kind of a stagnant, you know, kitty pool. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. we're talking natural natural water sources. Natural so, water sources and these are easy to find when you just go and look for tracks. Like mm-hmm. to me I think of all the little wet spots you find on a little uh wet weather creek um down in the bottom or and during the summer we start getting drier and the creeks that don't flow year round start to shrink up to where there's bigger holes scattered around. Find the hole that's got the most tracks around it, put a camera on it. Yeah. And and that's Perfect point, and and one thing to to note is like right now most places are are getting rain, so vegetation has a lot of um, moisture in it. They don't need to go to a water source as consistently right now. But as summer gets going, August time frame, when you're really trying to take in and see who's out there, make your plans for fall. That vegetation is now lacking, typically lacking a lot of moisture. So now they're going to find water sources. Um, that time of year more so than now and get water that way so when you're in august find those water sources you can you can document deer very consistently there i think with this transition to where we're no longer confining deer to mineral sites or feed stations and and it's always okay how do i figure out where they're traveling how can i get pictures this is where it's going to habitat is going to be habitat improvement is going to be key mm-hmm. and really trying to designate and find specific bedding areas and then specific feeding areas and specific travel corridors. And and the reason I bring this up is because when you think of a water source that's like, I don't know how they're getting here, and I don't know how to... If I put it on this side of the water hole, how do I know they're not going to the other side? Uh-huh. That's where 
the next one of and it's down the list but like edge feathering or hinging trees dropping trees to try and steer the deer to a, a more specific area to get to that water source or as we list out this long list of of things you can do of uh, if there's five trails leading to this one area drop a tree over two of them and get and try to find where the other three trails intersect or two of them get close together and put the camera there yeah and, and that's the other thing of like you know you might have to get off the beaten path a little bit um to find these areas but again like you said knowing where deer are betting at and knowing when i'm you're going too far that's important you you really need to know that so having designated bedding areas on a property and if you want to know how to do that, go back to a bunch of podcasts when we talk about timber, because I'm sure we covered it. But put deer in specific areas um, and kind of know where they're focusing at. Um, and so you know when you start to do a little scouting that you're not getting too close. You're not putting that extra pressure on them. Yes. The next one, you kind of covered it right there, but trail intersections. Like, that's that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. and, and maybe you can find those in areas that... Um, are easy to get to. They might be close to a field edge where two or, or, a, or a bottleneck um, that you can kind of drive up along the edge of a field, pop in, pull a camera card, get back out. And that's that's the other thing. It doesn't matter if these are all nighttime photos. Like It, it really, just, it doesn't matter. For the most part, they're probably going to be nighttime yeah, photos I, if it's hot, unless you're really right. close to the bedding and you're on a north slope. And that kind of reminds me, if you're looking for trails during the summer months, they could be different than the typical trails that you really follow during the fall and winter. They most so likely will be. Yeah. Find those trails that they're using during the summer months. That could be north slopes. That could be along a river. Cool spot. They're trying to stay cool during the summer months. But also note finding the limited resource. Where's the food source for that area during that time of the year? Where's the water source for that time of the year? I'm, I'm thinking July. It just seems like July 4th is when we really start pounding out the cameras. Mm-hmm. It starts getting hot looking for the water source, looking for the food source, and then finding the trails that are leading to those. Yeah, exactly. Find those trail intersections. And again, it, you're, it's not like you're trying to hunt these deer right now. They don't. You don't have to have daylight images, just as long as you're getting images of the deer using those areas. And even if you're not, who cares? Go hunt anyway. <laughs> Get out there. Um, but trail intersections, find them. They're, they're easy. You can probably locate some areas on aerial um aerial map and and go in and kind of ground scout from what you saw on that map and find a place put up a camera and and let them sit too that's the other thing let these cameras sit and work for you three days four days likely isn't isn't enough um time let them sit and deer get used to all that um and and those patterns also may change a little bit you know throughout the summertime so if you if you're confident that this is a good intersection Set it, let it work for you. Use lithium batteries and those trail cameras. Yeah, yeah. They may cost a little bit more at the initial purchase, but they are worth it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's just a shameless plug, no affiliation, nothing. Just get lithium batteries. Yes. Um, edge feathering. This is just as simple as it seems. You can... To habitat improvement. Bo- bottleneck deer. Yes, and we talked about it, open and closed edge feathering. Um, as far as cutting more species on the closed one that are parallel with the edge of the food plot and more of them that are perpendicular with the edge of the food plot to where deer can walk through it easy, more easy than the closed ones. 
um, the closed edge feathering. These are ways that you can steer deer. So if you have, let's say, you have a 50-yard stretch at the edge of a food plot and the deer enter it from every every part of it, edge feather, closed edge feather, 40 yards on one side and 10 yards on the other, and you have a little strip there of, well, I don't even know in my head what I say, 50 yards to where they're going to walk through now and uh, drop one tree in the middle and, and try to send them on either side of that. And you automatically have more of a pinch and you put them into a 20-yard gap um, that you can put a camera on and find the best trail. Yeah. That's just one simple way of doing it. You can do that in food plots. You can do that in meadows or glades. You can do that pretty much anywhere. Yep. You can do it in the middle of the woods, drop some trees in, in a single-file line that uh, uh, through a section of timber that deer are all walking through, and just put the camera on the on the end of the of the last fallen tree, and get pictures of the deer as they walk around those treetops. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple it, as that. It's that simple. Um, the next one we're talking about cutting trees, hinge cutting. Um, we're gonna combine the next two: hinge cutting and, and mineral stumping. Um, if you've done work, if you are following us in the winter time, hopefully we encourage you to go out and and do some TSI. That's the perfect place right now to see what deer are foraging on because that's tender shoots. That's a lot of um, forage out there. And I guarantee you, you can get in there, find those areas, put up a camera, and have deer routinely coming in and foraging through that habitat improvement project that you did. That's super simple. Super easy. That's a no-brainer. So easy a caveman can do it. Yeah. He probably does do it. That's um, how it kills him because he's got woodman, woodsmanship. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are great locations. Food plot. I mean, it, it, you're like, duh, food plot. If you got a, a food plot, put it on the edge of the woods. Like, you don't have to have that mineral station there. You can do so many different types of, you can do video, you can do just pictures, set up at the right intervals. Field scan. Field scan, yep. Time lapse, whatever. But if you got deer going to a food plot, put a camera there, mount it so you can survey a, the basically a large view of the field. You might not get the detail, but you're going to know if it's a older age class buck and go from there. And that's why we like smaller mid-sized food plots better than large ones. Large fields, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Takes way less seed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, another one, and this, this sounds dumb, but field edges. Like... If if you even if you're not a food plotter, even if you're not in crop country, deer always are going to walk the edge, and they're probably browsing and foraging on species that are growing right there along the edge, um, unless you have the a uh, a browse line that's way out of reach. But they're going to keep coming back to looking looking for that that new forest. So any field edge, boom, you got uh, it. Somebody told me one time deer were creatures of the edge. I don't know if it's true or not. You know, I heard the same thing. We ought to, we ought to look into that yeah. stuff. <laughs> Maybe they're onto something. <laughs> I think so. I always see deer along the edge. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, that edge, putting them on the edge, even a pasture is a great yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. For me, I think of, I, I forgot to add that to the notes, but in cattle country, for a lot of guys that are trying to manage and hunt deer and locate deer in cattle country, here's... Here's my brain buster of advice. Put the cameras where the cows aren't. Yeah. That, to me, that's one of the, at, at the at the family farm, if I wanted to find deer, I'll just put them on the other side of the fence where the cows aren't because deer are going to move through those areas a lot more frequently than through the middle of the cattle pasture. 
highlights, no doubt. Um, if you've got areas that have got pockets of pasture, they got really good clover, maybe it's a low spot, clover typically grows there, hey, you might have some deer in there, white clover, red clover, or or you've got an alfalfa field. It's not necessarily crop ground, but you, you granddad cuts it for um, hay, Man, you know, you already know if you got an alfalfa. I was going to say, <laughs> you already know. Tell them. They're already like, don't give away that secret. Yeah. Yes. Um, Another thing to do in cattle country is um, find those fence crossings. Mm-hmm. Find those gaps to where deer are crossing them, or find that area where you see more deer frequently going through the area, and it may be a whole little side of the field or whatever, and tie that top strand just a little bit lower than that than the rest of the than the rest of the fence and just because it's six inches lower creates more of a bottleneck because deer that's the path of least resistance for the deer so they use it Um, i think of areas in cattle country if you're rotating the cows and you have five strand barbed wire fence leave some of those gates open where the cows can't get and make it the easiest way for deer to get through there and put up and put a camera on the gate that's open and watch the deer travel through it, and as well as all the other animals that are using that farm, mm-hmm. bears and bobcats and coyotes. Yeah, licking branches. Deer yes. communicate through these year round. Oh gosh, you just—that's the no. <laughs> What's the difference between that and a mineral stump? We're going to tell you because that's naturally occurring. Yeah. We're not. We're regardless you said of mineral what, stump. You mean oh mineral, mineral licks? Yeah. yeah, mineral licks, mineral locations. I said mineral stumps. Just to clarify, I mean where we pour out mineral. So, what's the difference between a licking branch, a scrape, and a mineral station feed station? Naturally occurring, not naturally occurring, um, and that goes with okay. Mock scrapes aren't much different than a. Uh, uh, mineral station then too because we're we're making something and confining deer or putting deer in a specific spot so the other side of that is we're going to find naturally occurring licking branches and we're going to put cameras there because deer are going to use them whether we're there or not deer are naturally going to use licking branches scrapes rubs they have they have glands that are active throughout the entire year that's how they communicate with one another um they might not be pawing, scraping the ground or transferring the the exact same scent through those glands, but they still are communicating with one another. So if you have one of those on the edge of your food plot or anywhere for that matter, you can find them in the woods in the right places. If you're looking, logging, if you have woodsmanship, roads. yeah, if you have those woodsmanship skills still, you can find those. Yes. That's a great place. Do you go out of their way? Boom, hit it. Or uh, I think of a... Uh... I forget what they call them, um, what I've heard people call them, but rubs that are rubbed every single year. That's another place. It's not in the notes, but it just came to me. I think of when we go to Nebraska and Kansas, Iowa, you see those old fence posts, those wooden fence posts that get rubbed every single year. That's another place you can put a camera on and monitor them and yeah, see and what deer are using that area. Yeah, they might not be rubbing it in the summer, but if it's in one of those locations that they walk by consistently... One. Oh, I was talking fall, but yeah, okay. you could... Yeah, I mean, there's some, I've, I've still seen deer go up and sniff those rubs. Mm-hmm. Like, they still will... They know it's a place where deer congregate. Um, but yeah, I mean, it totally... It, it can be done because you're talking about Nebraska and, and those Kansas and Iowa places. A lot of times, those areas, you, you, don't, ha- you don't necessarily have the big woods like we have around here. So yes. 
those are in locations that they go to every single year because, again, deer travel it daily. Uh-huh. So it's just naturally going to be use the sign, use the deer sign as a sign to tell you that deer commonly go through here. Whoa, that was complicated, wasn't it? Yeah. I got through it, but seriously, and that's it, just when you say practical. licking branches too, that's also during the summer months. So mm-hmm. the edge of a yes. food plot, large exactly. field, deer still will check those. Now they may not go up there and rip up the ground and scrape, oh, yeah. Yeah. but they'll still check it if they mm-hmm. go by it. And that's one way that you could just scratch up the ground a little bit right there. And uh, and have them just even smell the fresh dirt um, as they walk by. So that's all. Uh, that's definitely a thing you can do. What else? Creek crossings. Oh, I love this one. I think of a lot of creek crossings, a lot of great pictures I've had over the years during the summer months as deer were bedded on a north slope on a creek bottom. It's a lot cooler there. There's a lot more green vegetation that they could browse on. But they would cross the creek going out to a big crop field. Um, Talk about consistent. Very consistent, especially the steeper the bank, the better. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And that's yeah. why I, I look at all, a lot of the places we've walked with our consulting business is um, how many creeks have we walked by or been on, and it's just like, man, are you kayaking this? Are you using mm-hmm. a flat bottom? And it's a lot of times, no. It's like, this is stupid how easy this is. Float yep. it, pop up, hunt right on the bank, hunt that creek crossing it's going to be dynamite. Yep, game over. And it's a lot of times it's one of those that you could set on September fifteenth and kill a good deer, or January fifteenth and kill a good deer. Oh yeah, no so doubt. creek crossings definitely a place to put a camera year round. And if you are, if you're having those um, areas, just I guess in in all of these, be smart of when you're checking your cameras. Yes. Um, you know, if if you're expecting deer to be out there. At dusk or dawn, don't go check it at dawn. Like it's it's that simple. I mean, if, I, I, it's, the, t- it's tempting to do it after work, but wait till Saturday when you can go in the middle of the day. Woodsmanship. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if the deer you We're believe a new hashtag hashtag woodsmanship. woodsmanship. Too bad we'll all lot <laughs> people. What is woodsmanship? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's I think, the thing uh, that mineral block took from you. <laughs> <laughs> where's that card at that yeah. i lost somewhere get your dub uh, your card back <laughs> yeah so um and this is another thing if the wind is out of the north and you expect the deer to be the south of where you're going don't go and check your camera then check your cameras it, it, chances are if you're going to check during the hunting season if you're going to check all your cameras the same day at some point you're bumping deer and that's something we're guilty of We've mm-hmm. done, and it's something we're all guilty of. But as we start this process of of uh, not ha- building our inventory, e- each week our camera's out there. It's very critical to be getting all the intel we can. So not boogering up those camera locations is hugely important. 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 Oh, and you know another tip, for especially for summertime, um, face them north those cameras north and don't and cut out get that camera tilted down just a touch yep. chad i'm talking to you here that's my brother <laughs> <laughs> um north you're not gonna have that blown out overexposed image and then just kind of have that like maybe silhouette if you're lucky and you're like oh who what is that oh he's got a big bases but i can't see the antlers you know the sun's no. blowing it out um yeah. don't don't face it uh east or west go go north on that joker um another one and you you added this one in late but it's a 
it's a great one. It's fruit trees. Oh, love it. Love it. Anybody listening to the podcast know I love the idea of planting fruit trees. And not just for my personal benefit, but the wildlife as well. Fruit trees. I've done this a lot where, in fact, I mean, we've talked about this before. Stark Brothers fruit trees, if you've ever looked them up, um, I kind of have a connection way down the road. In 1892, Stark Brothers bought my family farm. And then 1952, my granddad bought it back. Um, But they're scattered fruit trees across the landscape. Um, to where there may be a peach tree somewhere, there may be a pear tree somewhere, there may be an apple tree, just randomly on the edge of a field. And when it bears fruit, it's a huge attraction because there's not a whole lot of them out there, even a persimmon tree. Any of these fruit trees, now there's a lot of them that drop during hunting season, but there's some that drop during the summer months. Um, Anna apple comes to mind that drops from like June to August. Um, peach trees drop in late summer. There's plums that drop uh, late summer. There's even cherry trees that drop mm-hmm. during the summer. Um, I don't even remember what else I have, but there's fruit trees that you can find that specifically produce... Pear trees drop in late summer that produce fruit during late summer when by this time most of the bucks have developed their entire rack and it's really easy to identify them. But how do we get them to our spots without mineral and... and uh, and feed fruit trees is one of those plant an orchard have if you i think i'll give you an example and on our cattle farm we have our 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 orchard fenced off we're going to lower one portion of it where it's a little bit easier to get into we're going to drop a few trees on the other corners and boom we have a basically one trail coming into that orchard that we can put a camera on and catch all the deer that go into there at night or during the day mm-hmm. simple as that plus we get the benefit of the fruit too i'm getting Hashtag woodsmanship again. Be able to identify fruit trees because a lot of times they're more common in a landscape than what a lot of people often believe. FYI, Bradford pear is not a fruit tree. <laughs> Correct. Um, but learn to identify them and then know specific where that tree is located. Know when it typically drops um, and when you need to have a camera there on place to document deer. And if and if you found one, but it's getting crowded out, and you want it to produce more fruit, open up that canopy and let give it more sunlight, give it more nutrients because of opening up that canopy. Prune it, Ooh, make it a, a make it a healthier tree so it produces more fruit. You know, that's a pretty good lineup. That's a pretty good way to document who the heck is on your farm throughout a summer month. Absolutely. I know that the research that Carl Miller and his team have done regarding the non-baited trail camera surveys, I know that the numbers that they produced and basically the effectiveness, the accuracy of, of the total population is very strong. So this type of information that we're sharing is, is probably baseline. But this other information that's going to be coming out and even more published is going to be accurate, useful, as we get more and more, I guess, informed about CWD and as more regulations come out. So be watching and understand possibly the future of of what's going to happen in the whole deer world um, and mineral world. 
and supplemental feed world. I think it's all going to come back to it's going to cause us to have to do hopefully more habitat work mm-hmm. because we're going to it's it was too easy with mineral and feed just dumped out on the ground. Lost your W card. Lost it. Yep. It was just too, stole it. It was too <laughs> it was too easy. Um and so and you know what? Again, like we said, I, I'm not going to miss it. I, I'm glad that, you know, some things don't come easy. That's okay. Because you're going to become a better hunter. Those The skills that you're learning to be able to accurately identify where deer are spending the majority of time during the summer months, you're going to be able to find sign during the fall and winter so much easier. It's going to scream at you as you walk through the woods because... There's, there's so much vegetation out there right now. You're like, I'm just kind of like in a jungle. It's tough to see this stuff. But when the leaves fall and there's sign everywhere and deer are really active, this this deer sign that you want to key in on as a hunter is going to become very apparent. I just think of, I think if we're all honest with ourselves when it comes to the mineral stations and the feed stations, like let's just pull five people. Let's say your wife and your kids aren't hunters and you're like, I just want to show them this, like, take them on the farm and see if what their opinion of a mineral station that's been there for a long time, and it's a mud pit, I bet it's not a very good opinion. It's not going to look great to them. And it's just a, to me, it's 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 a little bit bittersweet because it's like, well, that was a really easy way to get pictures, but then again, this is only going to cause us to be more motivated to improve the habitat. Well, and that's the thing, like, if you were or, or are a person who does mineral blocks and supplemental feeds like if let's just say you can't do it anymore one you're gonna have a lot of time on your hands because supplemental feeding programs if you're strict about it are time consuming and cost a lot your wife's gonna be pumped yeah put that same don't i guess look on look on a, a bright side and see okay now i'm just gonna improve my habitat like if you've thought about it if you're like Adam said earlier, if you're still listening to podcasts, you care about the habitat. That time that you don't have now to be devoted to a supplemental feeding program, devoted into feeding the deer with natural browse. That's done. something. The habitat work. Awkward pause. I'm crickets. Done. Um, <laughs> that was mic a- drop. <laughs> awkward. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the habitat improvement is something, regardless hunter or not, it's something we can all get behind. Yeah. And so my question is, when we're doing all this, what do we do with it? How how do we take this and how do we take all these pictures, these random pictures? Because it's not going to be a 500 pictures a week of deer with their head down licking a, a block or licking a <laughs> right. rock. And you just say, oh, duh, 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 like. You're not skipping through like these images. You're, you're going to be click. Okay, who's that? then click it's not like the same deer there for five minutes or or 10 minutes and like they don't hardly move they flick an ear and you're like oh my gosh get out of my picture you've looked at pictures long enough you know the difference between the click scan or the push and hold down scan Uh uh-huh and i'm talking about the arrow button where you're just like you push it and hold it down because you can see that one doe just standing there and you're like oh my gosh move on move on whenever you have and that's why i love cameras in the fall because it's deer in their natural setting for the most part as far as traveling through the landscape and and you may have way less pictures but 
those pictures you get could be really cool. They are they're most likely the pictures that you want to be having. And like I said, what do you do with them? It, you you put them in the deer lab. Like you you get the information that the camera collects. And and I think that's what the most common misconception is is with trail cam images just in general, it's not just an image. Like if you're if you're using them just to get a picture, then you're missing the important part of why you have trail cameras out there, and that's to learn individual behaviors of deer. And, and we talked about it earlier, like I think in the, the intro of like, you got to analyze when they were there. Yes, why they were there. Yeah. What caused them to be what there. resources are there. And why they moved at that specific time. Right, when were they there? In the past, when you look at pictures, we may have been like, oh, that's cool, he's there. But if you're really trying to dial in and figure that deer out to harvest him, it's a, you look at it and go, okay, which direction did he come from? What time of the day is he there? And which way did he leave? Now, what brought him there? If it's a scrape line or a trail camera or, or a trail camera, a logging road, like it's I a I got to tra- put my picture taken. <laughs> it's, a tra- <laughs> it's a truck. It's a picture of a trail camera. It's a picture go, of a picture. Let's go get in the photo booth. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, uh, it's basically you're monitoring a trail and you're like, okay, where's he headed? Where's he coming from? It mm-hmm. looks like he's, he's coming by it at five thirty in the morning and it's, it gets light at six. So he's headed back to bed somewhere, but it looks like he's probably, for the most part, getting close to his bedding area because it's almost daylight, and I know he probably wasn't moving at that point. And you're just putting all this together, and you it's its really a mind game of going, oh, okay, how totally can I... A it's, a, it's a puzzle, jigsaw puzzle, trying to figure out what's going on. And this Deer Lab will help you with that. It will speed the process up. It's not a technology is taking your woodsmanship away no we're doing this already it just gives us a place to put all the pictures to where i'm not completely losing all my hair or turning it gray because i have 20 tabs open one monitoring barometric pressure one monitoring wind direction one monitoring temperature and humidity one looking at the future forecast like yeah the moon phase all that stuff this is just putting it right there to where i can sort it out and say okay I have five pictures of this buck during daylight, f- during hunting season. Is there any pattern to those? No. Okay, on to the next buck. <laughs> <laughs> or, wow, there really is a pattern. He's My heat map shows that he's really up in this region of the farm, and when he's in that region of the farm, he's only moving during the afternoons. I'm going to hunt that deer on an afternoon when the wind's correct, when the barometric pressure's are right setting, and go mm-hmm. in and harvest him. And, and that's where... You go back to to where if you, as you sign up for Deer Lab and you start using it, use last year's images. Put them in there. It will take that same information, and you can figure out and start building a history with a buck. Yeah, just because you're not putting an image into Deer Lab like real time, if you put it in, it will gather the data from that time it took the picture. Like, Use that as a tool to build the history with the deer you don't have to write down a special note. Like that's that's the beauty, I think, of, of the software itself is it it not only organizes bucks as as individual bucks, and you can create a profile for each deer, but all that information that you're putting together, like it keeps it together. So if again, like you said, if if you want to sort this individual buck and find out when, let, let's just say, for instance, we've got a great four and a half year 
year old deer that shows up. We knew him as a two and a half and a three and a half year old deer before season gets here. One, we're going to find him during the summertime or get pictures of him. Okay. He's here. We want to harvest that deer. Like I'm not going to look at, you know, this food plot and say, okay, he's got, he's going to be here at some point. I'm going to kill him that food plot. What, what we're going to do is go back into deer lab and say, okay, as a two and a half year old, what did he do as a three and a half year old? When were the times that he preferred to move? Was it dawn? Was it dusk? Was there a wind direction that he preferred to move? What location did he prefer to move in? Like where was his concentration and then build stands off of those patterns to harvest him specifically? Like it's not a, it's, it's not, I'm not gonna say it's not a guessing game, but you're taking all the information from images and putting it together to, to have a hunting strategy. And, and I don't know, like, like to me, you can't really put a price on it as in if you're just, again, going through trail camera images to look at deer, you're, you're missing the important factor of using that as a hunting strategy from years past. If you want to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's an awesome, awesome tool. Yes. In a, in a world of pressure deer, it's a tool that oh, is really important. Yeah, um, yeah, it really it, is. It, it, you, it really gives you an idea, and frankly, it's awesome just to get pictures of them. So, uh, I, Deer Lab though is offering a it's a thirty day trial for three month. I thought is it three? I, I don't remember something like that. You get time to play on there. Yeah, play, <laughs> you get plenty of time, regardless of what it yeah. is. Plenty of time. So www.deerlab.com forward slash land and legacy you get that code to be able to trial it's a free trial there we go for an extended period of time you said forward slash land and legacy it's forward slash land we really should have went back and looked at this (laughs) deerlab deerlab.com man i should have brought my notes deerlab.com Forward slash. forward slash land, L-A-N-D, and you will get a trial period where you can have 250 images, mm-hmm. and you can put 250 images of bucks on there and then turn around and delete them and put 250 more on there. Yes. Um, and that's that's one property, 10 cameras. Yep, up, up to 10 cameras for the for this trial period. And, and basically, you can lay out your farm, put different dots for the camera, camera locations, Enter those photos. It'll give you a heat map of, of, of a specific buck on which area he hung out more. And uh, there's a lot of great information. I encourage you to check it out. It's free trial. So you can see if you like it before you make the purchase. But I'll bet you you like it. Well, and that's the thing. Just play with it. Just just go in there. Put all your trail camera images um, in there. See what you can gather. What, I guess, you can learn from bucks that you didn't already know existed that information we're going to be doing facebook lives and stuff throughout the summer um us going through camera cards and camera pulls and putting this information into our own deer lab and then there's actually a share button a way that we're going to share we're going to soon share albums yes where you can see all the pictures of different books we've had in the past and future um, now, or not future, but yeah, this season. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get him. As in, uh, yeah, like in 10 years, I'm going to have this 200-incher. Yeah. Um, no, in future, as in this fall, we're going to be sharing the bucks that we inventory, and right. you can check them out anytime you want. And that feature is open, too. If you're, if you're in like a QDM co-op and you want to use that feature and kind of share within all the co-op members of like, hey, this is what everyone's getting, 
it doesn't give like the location of your cameras it just gives or the map it, yeah it none of that nothing but the pictures yeah just just pictures hey guys this is what showed up kind of lets everyone communicate um within that neighborhood or community of what's going on so just another cool thing share it and and see what your your friends say and see if you got the biggest one around or the smallest the dink on the on your yeah. farm i'm only putting forky horns yeah. and spikes on there <laughs> camera pool that's sucked, all i got guys again this week <laughs> yeah. uh, and we cool say feature. this all because we are amping up for trail camera season we're all yeah. starting to get we pulled cards first time this week and so it's important now you're starting to get the pictures what do you do with them check out deer lab try the promo code or the uh, or not the promo the link deerlab.com forward slash land and you can check it out for a certain amount of time yeah. <laughs> so anyway you guys Matt, would it. you rather plant a food plot if if you show up to a farm mm-hmm. and you have a certain amount of equipment and all you have is a two-bottom plow and you have a nice <laughs> that thing's going the dumpster <laughs> scrap it baby yeah. um you have a plow and a harrow and a drag yeah are you? Would you rather plant a food plot having to use those tools or not? I would simply use drag. No, I said you can use all of it or none of it. Oh, what? It's not which one would you... <laughs> this game isn't which one would you use. It's oh. would you rather, yay or nay. <laughs> um... Do I have any like? Do I have a chainsaw to, to go? No. no, to go what, and do other habitat game? management. I kind of <laughs> no, understand my the, possibilities. The, the question is: Would you plant a food plot if your equipment was a two-bottom plow and harrow, or would you not? Would you rather <laughs> do it or not? It's very simple. Answer the I'm question. I'm a creative thinker, you and it would be no. no. It would be <laughs> yeah. no. Because I couldn't it's do too it. destructive. That the the disadvantage is not worth the advantage. The problems, the long term effects of of doing that. Yeah, I would I would literally I really forego. Set you up, and I should have not even asked you the question. I said, "Would you rather do this?" The answer is no. <laughs> that's what the, that's the correct. I, I answer. would seriously forego planting food plots. I, I would. would too. I'm, I'm that serious about the the, the destruction. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Never mind. I was gonna go somewhere else. Okay. Would you rather? Oh, let me think of one real quick because I don't have one. Um, would you rather? Oh, I got another good one. All right. Oh, I, I never you, mind. You I already still... asked it. I already asked oh, it. You already asked way it. back. I was gonna say, would you rather have a set of stack and six or a climber stand? Oh, okay. I did ask that. Would one you? Back. Would you rather plant a? summertime fruit forage or a pear that dropped late september uh knowing the information that was in the podcast today yeah uh, summer summer Summer. because late late september's (laughs) acorns are everywhere so yeah um most most likely there's acorns everywhere so i'm gonna go with the late summer so i can at least build an inventory then there we go that was a pretty good would you rather off the top of my head yeah there you go Wow, that was a that was a doozy. You got that was else? a doozy. Um, just reminder: next week we are we're talking about okay. Agent Deer. Ten twenty minutes of the podcast. Um, that is cutiemade.com dot com forward slash Landon Legacy. Correct. Sign L-A-N-D, up for it. D A N D L E G A C Y. You will see a forum pop up on our page as we're preparing for that this coming week. Um, get ready for it. Hope you guys will join and learn along with us and check out Deer Lab. 
dot com forward slash land. We got it. Land. Nailed it. Check those out. We'd appreciate it. And, and leave us a review sometime. And sh- if this podcast is is what you want to hear or you want to share with someone, share it. Because this is going to be a doozy. We're, we're excited and, and uh, ready for the excited. comments back. I'm putting my helmet on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's that's why we want to share it. That's, yeah. that's exactly this, this type of information. Sometimes it's tough, but it's important to share um, the right information yes, and, and I- consider the... The sources. And I'll share with you guys, we really appreciate the support over the last year and a half. It's been incredibly humbling and no very doubt. inspirational. It's really, it's, you know, with the creation of Land Lakes, it was kind of a, on a, <laughs> on a limb kind of thing where you're like, I oh, don't yeah. really, and we started it and you guys have been so supportive and we just love you for it. And mm-hmm. I, we promise you that we will make it up to you guys over the, over the course of this adventure. Um, but our success is because of your support and mm-hmm. your continued support. And the way that you can support us the most is by sharing this with your friends and family and getting them um, interested in listening to the podcast and watching the films and liking the Facebook page. No doubt. And so that's where we really would – we're asking you now to – if hopefully you can st- – you can share more, interact with us more. Check out our Facebook page as we add more things to be more interactive, and uh, we will we we owe you so much. So and we shared a text you and I back and forth today of um, there's decisions that are going on, um, I guess behind the podcast doors of just forward um, progress. Uh, of things that are happening to continue to build land and legacy. Um, it's a really important time for us. And we are, we're here, like I said, like Adam said, um, because of the support you guys have given. So we're excited to be able to be in the position and be good stewards of the opportunity. And I'm, um, I'll, I'll so. even go out to say um, that we would appreciate the prayers too. Oh yeah. As we, as to we do this, this was right a very uh, big decision for us to start this adventure and, and continue on the right path to to hopefully that this whole purpose is to help help everyone improve the land and so prayers for for guidance is extremely valuable to us and that's frankly the best thing you can do for us so bingo with all that said we appreciate you guys <laughs> pray and share on social media <laughs> <laughs> that got deep real quick yeah. didn't it <laughs> Woo! Woo. I saw you get the handkerchief out. Um, We appreciate you guys joining us this week. We appreciate the support. We love you for it, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Mm-hmm.